Welcome to episode 23 of FountainCast, a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by the Fountain Hills Chamber of Commerce, striving to be your one-stop fountain of information regarding the local business community in Fountain Hills. I'm your host, Paige Lawrenson. Welcome back, everyone. FountainCast is here for another quarantine version of our show. So thank you all for stopping by our podcast and taking a listen to us today. As always, we are striving to bring you important information regarding the local business community, especially during these crazy times. Today, I am joined by two guests, including town council member Art Tolis. He is spearheading this special virtual town hall event coming up next week for the local business community so that leaders can learn how to best assist businesses when the shutdown passes. But first, let's hear more from our other guest, Dr. Izume of the new Fountain Hills Medical Center. He is going to tell us more about this project in town and what a new hospital will mean for Fountain Hills. Let's get started. I am excited to welcome the first of today's episode guest, Dr. Izume, one of the doctors that will be part of the newly constructed Fountain Hills Medical Center. Doctor, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of FountainCast. Thank you, Paige. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. All right. So before we get going on learning more about the Fountain Hills Medical Center, I want to just know a little bit more about your background. So could you just tell our listeners more about yourself and your career in medicine? Yeah. So I, you know, I lived in, I lived in the United States since right after high school. Um, I started off, um, you know, as a young college student in California. That's where I did a lot of my undergraduate uh, um uh, program. And then um, I went to medical school in the Caribbean as a non-traditional student. Um, you know, the, anybody that's gone through the process knows what a non-traditional student is. Um, and then I, um, then right after my first two years of uh, basic, uh, basic sciences, I went to, I had a lot of my uh, clinical rotations um, in between uh, New York and Boston and uh, Florida. Uh, that's that was where I met my wife, um, and um, we got married uh, shortly before um, I started my residency. I did my uh, residency training at Maricopa Medical Center um, in Phoenix. Um, that was my first introduction to uh, to Phoenix and the Valley, and um, <clears throat> and my wife. Uh, you know, we both loved it. We lived in Gilbert at the time, and we, <clears throat> once I finished uh, residency, we moved to the south, um, and we, you know, but my wife has always made it clear that we would relocate back to Arizona once the kids are old enough to start school. And we, once once the youngest, you know, turned four, it was time to move back to Arizona. She really liked um uh, basis and it's an excellent academic institution so we relocated back to Arizona about two years ago and around that time you know we that was kind of when we started to um, myself and uh, some of the other physician partners we started to think about uh, doing something like this so um, so that's that's my general background um, uh, yeah. very cool 
Yeah, thank you for telling us more about that. You definitely seem to be all over the place, but glad that you love Arizona and wanted to come back here. Is there a specific type of medicine that you specialize in? Yeah, so I, my training is in internal medicine. Um, I am board certified in internal medicine. I have extensive um, emergency medicine experience. Um, If, you know, if anybody knows anything about Maricopa Medical Center, it's it's a very hands-on training. Um, and, it, and it is really geared, um, our training is geared towards um, the type of medicine that we will be practicing at Fountain Hills, um, it's, which is, uh, you, you know, being able to uh, take care of patients hands-on and at the various settings, whether you're coming into an emergency room, whether you're being admitted um, as an observation patient, whether you're being admitted as any patient, whether you're being seen in an urgent care. Um, we have uh, in, in, the, in the hospital where I trained, we had a lot of Mayo residents that would come um, at various central points of their, of their training uh, to get that hands-on experience um, that you don't get in some of these other large institutions. Um, so it, it really prepared us uh, for, for this type of project. Um, and, and in, you know, we, you know, there's a, there's a lot of confidence in, in our ability to be able to take care of patients in, in a setting such as this. Yeah, of course. And, um, it's great to hear that, you know, you do feel confident in this project and coming to Fountain Hills. So before this construction started for you guys, what do you think the need in the draw was to build this new medical facility in Fountain Hills? Uh, it, it became very clear, you know, you, you know we visited Fountain Hills uh, a few times when I was a residency for a number of events. Um, we had, uh, the, you know, I had a few uh, friends uh, in residency that lived in the area. Uh, we started to look at Fountain Hills a little bit more uh, in depth um, as we were finishing uh, the medical group that I'm part of. We were starting to finish a project um, in another, with another hospital that was going through a difficult time with a physician staffing. So um, as that, as our agreement with the hospital started to, to end, um, this was the next natural thing for us to do was to look um, at various parts of the valley and find, um, uh, you know, find a location like Fountain Hills. One of the things about Fountain Hills is that it's, a very, it's very organized. Um, it has a very involved community, which is very important um, if you're going to try to build a community hospital. And it also has mm-hmm. the need. I mean, the need is very clear. It has a base population in the mid-20s, uh, and I, and, uh, you know, the mid-20,000. Uh, it does grow um, quite a bit during the winter. And, of course, you have the surrounding community like McDowell and you have Rio Verde, which is going to be some of our draw area. So when you look at the need, when you look at the lack of acute medical services, you know, if, if you were cooking at night and you had a, you know, had a laceration, if you were, um, you know, if you were, if, if you had a snake bite, I mean, we, you know, there's a, the, the beautiful hills, South Fountain Hills also <laughs> exposes people mm-hmm. to the elements. And one of those things are snake bites, you know, scorpion bites. Some of these things are things that potentially could co- constitute a major emergency, but for the most part, people are able to come to the hospital, get the care they need, and be discharged the same day. You know, you don't have to drive 30 minutes plus, depending on what part of Fountain Hills you live, on what side of the fountain you live in, all the way to Shea to get that done. But hoping that once this facility gets built, we'll be able to take care of, you know, 
uh, those type of situations in our hospital. So, so the need, the readiness of the of, of the town to welcome a facility such as this, and keeping in mind that having an acute care hospital is also part of Fountain Hills' um, original master plan. So it, it all came together at the right time. The town was ready to have a, um, uh, a hospital and we were ready and willing to take on the risk of establishing one. And it, it, you know, everything just kind of happened at a perfect time and we're here. Yeah, sounds like it. And I think that the community is definitely ready and, and looking to forward forward to having such a wonderful facility for their, for everyone to use. I mean, you never want to have to use a hospital, you know, <laughs> um, just because, you know, you want everyone to, of course, be healthy and, you know, not have accidents. But um, just knowing that we will have something like that in town, I'm sure is really comforting to a lot of people. So um, you guys sent me over kind of a press release that had some information about your guys' facility. And it mentioned that you guys are the very first full service emergency you know, facility in Fountain Hills. And you did talk about things like the snake bites and scorpions and all the things that, you know, creepy crawlies, but I'm sure there are other types of emergencies that you guys will see at your, your new medical center. But what does it mean for the residents who could be in need of a local ER or something like that? Like what should this mean to them? So if, if you, if you think about it, um, you know, the, the way, the way, uh, emergency services are defined um, even by the state of Arizona is whatever any patient thinks is an emergency because we have had situations where people come into the emergency room just not just having a feeling that something is wrong right so you don't really you know you, you know you don't feel yourself you know you're not feeling you know you, you know you feel different but um, you know but you're not sure you're not sure what this means. Could this be something serious? Could this be something not serious? Um, just that feeling of having an emergency for the purposes of Arizona actually does qualify for an emergency, a possible emergency care um, uh, for, for somebody to seek emergency care services. And it is our job then to then take the, bring the patient and do what we call a basic medical screening. And part of physical medical screening is taking vital signs, um, getting uh, certain labs, if it's appropriate, having a full um, head-to-toe medical evaluation by a board-certified, um, uh, you know, uh, emergency medical medical provider, um, medical uh, a board-certified physician. In this case, the hospital will be staffed twenty-four-seven by board-certified physicians, and um, and and then we will begin to then risk risk stratify so to say, you know the condition for the for which the patient came in with. So this could be anything from abdominal pain to allergic reactions, you know, to asthma exacerbations, to bronchitis, to blood clots, chest pains, um, even acute strokes, dehydrations, dislocations, fractures, you know. Uh, motor vehicle accidents, you know, pneumonias, respiratory infections. I mean, just anything, It's go, we are going to have a full-service emergency department. So anytime anybody feels that they have something that they're worried could constitute an emergency medicine, this facility will be a good place to start. Um, of course, the scope will be different because it will be a small community hospital. But part of 
being an emergency and being licensed as a, as a full service emergency department would be the ability for us to get you to where you're going to get definitive care. Should you have anything that more requires admission that we are not able to handle in our facility? So, so we will be a one-stop shop. Um, you know, of course, I, you know, I know probably later on in the program, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, those specific departments, but we'll also have an urgent care where we can, um, where if somebody doesn't, wasn't sure whether they truly have an emergency, maybe it's something they think could be taken care of in an urgent care, we are going to have an urgent care right next to the ED that will have a separate entrance that the person can, you know, go to and, you know, say, hey, you know, I have this going on. And then the provider, medical mm-hmm. providers that can then decide if it is something that can be taken care of at the urgent care or if it's something that needs uh, for the person to be seen um, in the full uh, full service emergency department. We are also going to have a, yeah, we're also yeah. going to have a primary care clinic along with that that will be integrated with the urgent care where we're going to have established patients that will come for the follow-ups. We'll also have telemedicine capabilities um, as you know, with, with the whole COVID-19 situation, telemedicine is going to become an integral part of um, medical practice, especially outpatient medical practice yeah. going forward. And we will, we will be able to mm-hmm. offer all these various um, things uh, to, to the residents of Fountain Hills. We're going to, going to have home calls, um, home visits, um, you know, so it will, it will be a full stop, um, uh, a full shop uh, f- uh, uh, facility for the residents. Yeah, sounds like it. And I'm sure you know people who are listening are, are probably really interested to hear more about that because you, you did mention a few other services outside of the ER. Um, but I think you guys are also doing like lab Absolutely. services and things like that. So what, what else will this medical facility offer the residents and possibly visitors that come to Fountain So if, if we have to, so if you take it department-wise, um, we are going to have um, on the outpatient um, but now remember, we are going to have two phases of this hospital. The first phase will um, will primarily be focused on emergency medical services, which we believe urgent need uh, for our community. And also, we will so that full emergency medical medical services would include full service labs. Um, either to call it a moderate complex of lab is is the technical definition. Um, we will be able to, you know do a full lab panel that will be able to identify majority of emergencies that, that, you know, somebody might have. Um, we'll be able to get us, you know, if you need a, anything that requires imaging, like a CAT scan to make sure, you know, okay, from head bleed to fractures um, to in anything that, um, in, uh, the top, you know, affecting um, various organs, whether it's in your chest, whether it's blood clots, um, whether it's, um, you know, acute, processes in the abdomen, such as acute appendicitis, perforations, abdominal infections, um, we'll be able to assess for those things. We will have uh, 24-hour round-the-clock ultrasound services. Uh, there are, you know, uh, certain things um, that will that are better looked at with an ultrasound, such as somebody's pregnant and, you know, maybe they're having a little bit of a bleeding and they're worried. Um, is the baby, um, you know, in good condition? Is the fetus, uh, you know, placed correctly? Um, we'll be able to perform an ultrasound to determine, um, you know, if, if you know, things look, look you know, things are going well. 
um, and you know this is going to be around the clock. We'll have an X-ray um, uh, services as well, and of course we'll have technicians um, that will run these uh, imaging and lab services twenty four seven. In addition to our nurses, our nursing staff, in addition to our CNAs, in addition to our medical assistants, as well as the medical providers that would be on that site. So, um, so like I said, this would be a full shop um, uh, emergency department. Will from one day of age all the way to um, to you know however long people are leaving these days. So, so the whole, the whole, the whole spectrum will <laughs> yeah, be there. Or... Now, um, we'll also yeah, have like uh, inpatient um, services. Um, we'll, we'll have about a handful of beds um, that we will be able to admit somebody if somebody have um, some common medical conditions like pneumonia, urinary tract infection, confusions that are not, you know, stroke. Uh, based, you know, uh, somebody had a little bit to drink and they need to be monitored on, on oxygen overnight, you know, different things, chest pain that doesn't necessarily constitute a, a heart attack, we'll be able to monitor the person, train their enzymes. Um, we are hoping to establish relationship with some local cardiologists to be able to see these patients um, while they are in an observation admitted status to, um, you know, help evaluate them and make, you know, make, make recommendations. We are hoping to have a neurologist on staff as well. Um, so we will have uh, an inpatient bed um, to be able to admit uh, the, the more common um, uh, medical conditions and treat the person. This, most of the time, this constitutes majority of the medical admissions you're going to have. Of course, we're going to have a number of patients that their medical condition might be a little bit more than we are able to handle um, in the hospital, or maybe just the sheer number of beds. We maybe we, we were over capacity. We will have the ability to be able to get the patient to the right hospital that they should be in. Um, so that's that's you know as far as our inpatient services, and of course we discussed the clinic, the urgent care, and and the and and you know yes. and the outpatient clinic. We'll be able to have patients that are established um, with our primary care physicians that will be able to be seen. Um, we are going to have less than 24 hours turnaround time for labs. We'll be able to draw labs immediately, in, even in the primary care clinic, and have, and have that, those labs turned around within, um, within 24 hours for the most part. Uh, we will have uh, uh, urgent care services. <laughs> If you look in, in Fountain Hills right now, we actually do not have um, a consistently um, open urgent care center um, that courses the hours. Mm -hmm. um, and we, in our situation, we are going to have um, an urgent care that will be open six days a week, um, Monday through Saturday. Um, this urgent care center will be open for about 12 hours a day. Um, we're still kind of figuring out the time where we're thinking between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this will be available for everybody. Um, so so the accessibility, um, consistency of service, and quite frankly, quick turnaround and service care to home um, is really the emphasis we are bringing in. 
Yeah, sounds like you guys are definitely kind of checking every boxes of pretty much anything, you know, you could be looking for in a medical facility. So thank you for kind of laying that out and just letting everyone know exactly what you guys are going to be about, which I guess kind of just takes me to the next question um, I wanted to ask you since Fountaincast is a podcast that we use to highlight our local business community and cover things that has to pertain to business owners or professionals here in town. I want to ask you this. So how do you think that this new medical center will affect business here in town? Do you believe it might draw more people to want to live here knowing that there's a great medical facility or want to retire and in turn maybe, you know, creating more customers for businesses or anything like that? You know, this, this is a very good question. I mean, if you if you think about it in terms of the maturity of every, of every town, um, you know, we, we strongly believe, and, and, and quite frankly, even the, the town planners and the leaders in the town believe this as well, that part of the maturity of, of, of every um, town that's as established as Fountain Hills is having mm-hmm. a consistent, predictable, dependent medical services around the clock. Um, this is yeah. this is one of the things people look at when they are making a decision either to relocate to a location. Um, it's one of the first things people, especially mm-hmm. people with little children, you know, you want to know that if you if your child should have an emergency, that you're not going to have, you know, you're not that, that there is a place you can quickly get them to and get the help you you need. This is what we are going to provide for you. So yeah. we have, there is no doubt in our mind. You know, in addition to people we are going to hire, obviously, to to run, um, to help us operate this facility, a lot of who are going to be people with, um, you know, that have families. We do believe that having, um, you know, a competently run hospital in the middle of uh, Fountain Hills will definitely be a draw. Um, for for people that want to live here, yeah. Because if 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 yeah. you live on the other side of the fountain and you're trying to get to say Scottsdale Shea um, or other hospitals in the area, um, you know sometimes it might take up to thirty minutes, um, depending on what the traffic situation is. And if you think about it, mm-hmm. um, about eighty percent of patients that go to the emergency department gets discharged the same day. So um, so. A, a lot of a lot of emergency visits, emergency uh, ER visits, are not necessarily um, um, uh, emergencies from the perspective of I have to immediately do surgery, I have to immediately admit this patient. You know, a lot of it are things that we're able to treat um, and discharge with a follow up, and to have that the ability to have that that level of triage within the community. Um, I think it's something that it, it's a sign of a maturing town. And I think it would definitely be, be a yeah. draw. You have no doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. And I like how you kind of said that it, it shows that our, our town has, I guess, kind of made it as a big, you know, community. And, you know, we've made it to the point where, you know, we're, big enough and successful enough that we, we we need a facility like that. So I think that's really cool to think 
think about Fountain Hills like. So thank you for uh, touching on that a bit and kind of speaking about the public and, you know, how it seems like it would be a good thing for businesses and of course, residents of all ages. What do you think the public support for this new hospital has been like? Have you heard, you know, just whisperings around town or maybe on Facebook or, you know, articles in the Fountain Hills Times? Um, how do you feel like the, the community is receiving this news about having you guys come out into town? You know, our our experience uh, with the, yeah, our, the the feedback we've had have been overwhelmingly positive. I mean, we have, you know, even even right. people that have expressed you know concern about various aspects of the project, um, always preface um, their concerns with everybody knows we need a hospital in the town. I, I think I think if if, if you think of yeah. it as a baseline. Um, I would say 99% of people that live in Fountain Hills that we've interacted with that have reached out to us feel that the, the, that the time for you know, our town to have a hospital is now. And that's what we bring mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, for the most part, we have it, the, our, the, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. We have had a number of town halls uh, where even we we've had people from our outreach team to our design team to our physicians um, to answer questions and you know talk about uh, capabilities um, and services that we're going to be providing once we open. Now, one of the things that we have talked about um, has also been the impact it will have not just in raising the standard of living uh, for some, you know, for some people that are going to be um, hired, but also our desire to recruit um, as much as we possibly can from people that live in the town. Um, We have found from the various hospitals we've worked in um, through our medical group that when you have a hospital that is staffed mainly by people that live in the town, um, they they generally have a sense of buy-in and, you know, sometimes you might, it might be your neighbor that you're treating, you know? So you, there is, there's almost a uh, community um, feel to the hospital. People are more kinder to each other, even among the employees, uh, among the clinical staff. So our goal remains to make sure that the hospital is staffed by people that live in the town. And I think that will also continue to, you know, uh, create this um, positive feedback loop, um, um, you know, in, in regards yeah, totally. to, you know, people's attitude, not just about the hospital, but about the, the level of care, the, the, the actual patient mm-hmm. experience um, that they are having um, when they come into the hospital. Um, so, so we, we have, we have had, you know, nothing but, uh, um, um, you know, support and encouragement from um, from the residents, uh, from the town hall, from the, you know, from everybody within our activity. And we're very happy about that. Yeah, I bet. And I, I've heard great things from people that are excited and are, seem to be welcoming, welcoming um, everyone from FHMC to town. And I love that you guys want to hire people that live in Fountain right. Hills. That's always exciting. You know, um, we have wonderful medical professionals in, in our community. And I think it's, it's really cool that you kind of want to keep that community feel for the hospital. So thanks for I, I, I would, that I would say one, one thing I, so, I wanted to point out um, mm-hmm. also is I, yeah. I think the biggest... Um, 
mis uh, I would say a little, a little bit of a misconception that we we're hearing um, is you know the scope of the ER. You know, so of course there are different level like trauma classifications and and things like that, right? Um, with with um, with emergency rooms. In regards to, but but there's you know it's either you're an emergency room or you're not an emergency room. You know what I mean? So we are. If mm-hmm. you are licensed as an emergency room in the state of Arizona, you have shown to the, you know, to the people at the Department of Health that do these inspections and do this licensing that you have met, you know, the ability to be able to take care of acute emergencies. And, uh, you know, if you haven't met that threshold, you will not get licensed. So there is nothing like a glorified urgent care, so to say. You know, we will have an urgent care that will be separate um, from the emergency room. But if you come into our emergency department with an emergency, you will get the same type of care you will receive in any emergency room, you know, in the valley. Of course, if you have certain levels of trauma, you know, um, and certain, you know, medical conditions that require specific specialty care part of what we what what our um, job will be will be to immediately identify um, identify those create stabilization and get you immediately yeah. to a place that you're going to get definitive care so we will be a full a full service emergency room and I think that is something that we cannot emphasize enough because it literally could be yeah a life it could be life-saving um, for somebody um, in terms of um, uh, in terms of their mindset about what we actually the service we're actually going to be providing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you hear things all the time about accidents and emergencies, and that time is so crucial when it comes to p- p- potentially saving people. So, um, yeah, I think it, I agree. And you know, want to stress enough that you guys will be the emergency room in town. So thank you for touching on that. And um, now I just wanted to move on to kind of the plans about the hospital, because before this whole COVID-19 situation happened, we were going to do the official groundbreaking with you guys to kind of mark the construction of the, the facility. And now that you guys have, you know, been working on it over the last few weeks, um, can you just tell us the plans for when FHMC officially opens their doors and start to take right. Right now, we we are um, we we have uh, excellent uh, general contractors that are building uh, this um, facility. Mm-hmm. They, they came highly recommended, and you know that's been amazing to see how quickly uh, they have uh, you know ramped up our construction. Mm-hmm. We are currently on schedule to uh, get delivery of the building sometime around uh, mid November, um, and then we have to go through some regulatory issues with the state to make sure that everything mm-hmm. is where it should be to make sure that we have all the equipments um, where they are um, to go uh, sit down and go over our policies and procedures, make sure that everything is there tight and ready to go from the second we open um, to seeing patients. So that might take, you know, a few more weeks. Our current anticipation is to open the hospital uh, sometime in December. Um, when that actually falls we will know as we get closer um, to, to this time, but but we do yeah. intend to open this hospital sometime um, between November and December of of um, of this year. 
Yeah, of course. And I mean, I, I'm keeping our fingers crossed that when that time comes, you know, this whole social distancing might be a little bit more behind us and we can have a ribbon cutting ceremony for everyone because it definitely will Absolutely. be a momentous occasion Absolutely. to celebrate the opening of you know the, the first hospital in town. And I want to move on to the last question that I have because I could not have a medical professional on our episode today and not talk about what is going on in today's times with COVID-19. So um, you just hear that this is probably maybe going to come up again in the fall, like a little resurgence or something like this, or, you know, this new normal that we might be in for a while. And once um, the medical center opens up, do you think that you guys will have the capacity for either testing or treatment for any locals that might have contracted COVID-19? Um, and, and I will, I will, the, the testing part, absolutely. The treatment part, um, I want to be very careful, um, because, you know, we, you know, as scientists, we tend, you know, we, we have to be very precise in what we're describing. So, um, right now there is Mm -hmm. no identified definitive treatment for COVID. There are a number of, Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of medications that are going through trials right now. And um, there are hopefully new ones that have been developed. So um, it's not like, you know, you have the flu and I give you, give you a script for Tamiflu. And for the most part, it generally gets better. Um, You know, adjusting Mm -hmm. for all the other medical conditions a person might have. Right now, what we are mainly doing for COVID patients is provide what we call supportive care um, and then hope that the person's body will fight the disease um, and not overreact yeah. to the disease. Um, because part of what we're finding is that a lot of people that are not doing well with this illness um, uh, is just as important as mm-hmm. the actual damage the virus is causing, but also how their own immune system is overreacting to the you know to the disease itself trying to fight it so so there is a range of things you will see for people that will have um code uh, test positive or have the the virus starting from um people that are gonna have mouth symptoms to people that will have a little bit of shortness of breath a little bit of rigors and shaking you know shaking chills for several days and then they mm-hmm. get better you know, um, at least about 80% of people will, you know, will, will, will be able to test them. They're positive. Their oxygen level is okay. They don't have a lot of the other concerning um, 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 medical conditions. And those people can go home, self-isolate at home, um, you know, use Tylenol to keep the fever down, you know, cooling, bl- you know, cooling blankets, you know, ice packs try to keep the fever reasonably down and allow, you know, and kind of go through the disease process and they will come out on the other end. They'll have, hopefully have some immunity and they'll be good. But we are going to have this uh, um, other uh, 20% about um, from the numbers coming out of New York and some of these other uh, more, um, uh, some of these other parts of the country that have a higher cases we are finding that about 20% of them will need some sort of support. It could be anything from just monitoring them in the hospital because the x-ray looks so bad and you're not sure which way they're going to go. Are they going to get better? Are they going to get worse? To simply needing oxygen supplementation yeah. and you know supportive care. 
and then getting getting better and getting to the other side of that and then being able to discharge to the very um you know unfortunate and you know bad situation where you now have the person having to be mm-hmm. developed Yeah, of course. Yes. And thank you for kind of clearing that up about the, you know, maybe not a treatment, exactly. but kind of supporting people that do exactly. show symptoms that you, you could do it in Fountain Hills and especially the testing because everything I feel like we're getting told is that testing is going to become right. a really important part of the next few months. So I'm sure people listening are going to be excited to hear that right. you could possibly do that with you guys here in town and not Absolutely. have to go far because, you know, people are getting, you know, nervous and don't really want to leave their, their the, neighborhoods the, or their homes, of, and so I think it would yeah, be really if, important you know, that we'll if, have to and Obviously, if somebody go, gets to that extreme spectrum where they are needing very high levels of oxygen and needing to be on the vent, obviously, we'll, we'll be able to stabilize such patients and get them transferred to larger facilities where they can be seen by critical care physicians, you know, that are specialized in, you know, treating critically ill patients. So, but but that, that initial assessment, that initial mm-hmm. triage, providing yeah. that that um, uh, uh, base hospital um, that will provide a lot of this quote-unquote triage in, in you know, in, and of course helping to form a local health policy mm-hmm. with, with you know, the folks um, in, in, in town hall. This is a space that will be very well positioned um, to, to, to take care of. As far as the testing, we should be able to do the testing in-house. And they have rapid testing coming out now that you know, we'll, we hope to be able to take advantage of at the time. Mm-hmm. But we do anticipate this, this virus to be around in the winter. We are gearing up and preparing our hospital with the mindset that this will be one of the, all the other viruses we're going to be testing for um, when winter comes around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for talk, talking about that. Cause I know, I mean, I could have a ton of different guests on our show right Absolutely. now, but still everyone wants to talk about COVID-19 and just what it means for our community. So I'm sure people listening are, are interested to see how that will, you know, trans transpire in the future here in town. But I think that's all the questions I have for you. And I think it's just going to wrap up this segment of our um, show about the Fountain Hills Medical Center on today's episode. So thank you so much for joining me on FountainCast. Yes, so Paige, Zume. thank you very much. Stay and safe and stay ahead. healthy. Okay, so my next guest for this week's episode of Fountain Cast is Fountain Hills Council Member Art Tolis. Art, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Fountain Cast today from home. No, thank, thank you for having me. So, as many listeners are aware, you are the town council member here in town. How is everyone over at Town Hall handling this COVID nineteen situation in Fountain Hills? Well, I think so far they've been handling it as best as they can. There's been stay-at-home orders. People have been working from home. I have had no issues reaching our town manager, Grady Miller, who's been very, uh, very uh, available. So I, I think so far so good. I, I, I know everyone's anxious to get back to work full time and, and get things back to normal. Of course. I'm glad to hear everyone over at Town Hall is doing well, and I'm sure, you know, everything is in good hands over there. But the main reason we wanted to have you on our show today is to talk about this upcoming virtual Town Hall style meeting that you are having in conjunction with us over here at the Chamber of Commerce. Can you tell our listeners more about that? 
I've really felt that we have to reach out to the business owners and now is a great time to do that. Hopefully we're going to have an exit from this executive order and I'll be allowed to get back to work and businesses will reopen. I want to hear from the local businesses to uh, understand what their needs may be, uh, what they may have for recommendations, suggestions, how the town and the town staff can help and uh, just give them an opportunity to have a platform to discuss their challenges. We're going to be going into the summer months. We're going to be coming out of this spring market, which they've lost tremendous revenue. This is the time of year when a lot of these businesses make the money necessary to uh, to get through the, the slow periods in the summer. So I just want to reach out to them and I want to be accessible as a town council member. I want to uh, communicate their feelings and uh, and their concerns with town staff and do everything I can to support them. So for this type of event, did you have any inspiration to have it? I mean, I've seen some type of online town halls or even some on television with different news organizations and stuff, but did you have any other in- inspiration for this event? Well, my, my inspiration is that we are all itching to get back to work and we've had a lot of local um, local issues with uh, with businesses that have have really been struggling and trying to trying to do all they can created to, creatively to to continue to generate revenues. We had uh, Marita at Euro Pizza that unfortunately was cited for a, a situation where they had some patrons that had taken takeout food and they were sitting on the back patio. They weren't being served. The restaurant wasn't open. Uh, so I know that right now uh, these businesses just need to have a voice and they need to be heard and they all want to get back to work. And I just want to hear them. The inspiration really is the fact that Fountain Hill sales tax revenue is generated by these local businesses and we are going to lose a tremendous amount of revenue and we need to get them back up and running as quickly as possible. Of course. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that and letting us know about kind of what was the thing that got you interested in having this event. But um, I wanted to move on to the next question was, who, who is this event for? I know you've mentioned the business community. Would you say it's mostly business owners or their employees or maybe just residents that want to be informed as well? I would say anyone who has a local business that has been struggling, that wants to share their positive uh, comments as to how the town and the town staff and the residents of our community can help them to move forward and to be successful in the upcoming months. We, I think, need to double down on our efforts to support these local businesses and the shop local uh, theme needs to be uh, needs to be loud and clear uh, from uh, the town's perspective. I, I believe that we need to be promoting that uh, more than ever. And the Chamber of Commerce, which I know already does such a great job to support these businesses. Yes, thank you. And I will do a little plug for one of our campaigns that the Chamber has, has launched, the Survive Today, Thrive Tomorrow um, campaign that Betsy, our CEO, has kind of spearheaded. And that totally is about shopping local, um, getting some vouchers, you know, buy it now, use it later type thing to help the businesses through this time. So if anyone wants to learn more about that, it is on our website, fountainhillschamber.com, right there on the front. But moving back to this virtual town hall event, 
important for some people in Fountain Hills. This might be their first experience with a Zoom meeting or virtual, you know, event type thing. For those who might fall into this category who are listening, how will this program work? I would imagine the businesses that need to be heard are going to make an effort to get on this call. I think that this is going to be an open platform for them to share their concerns, their strategies, their suggestions as to how the town of Fountain Hills and the Chamber of Commerce can support them. And uh, this will be a platform for them to be heard. Those businesses that may not have had the same challenges as others, uh, they may not feel that the uh, they need to get on the call. Maybe they feel that they they they're doing all they can, and and they don't have the the needs that the restaurants per se need. The businesses that need to have the sign ordinances uh, on some sort of a. Uh, uh, no, no enforcement for sign ordinances for the next six months or uh, things of that nature. So the businesses that need to be heard, they should be on the call and they should be sharing how the town could help them and how the chamber can help them. Of course. Thank you for that. And so for when, when people do join in this call, uh, do you think that there will be like active participation with those that are attending attending virtually, or will it focus more on giving information to those who decide to hop on the Zoom meeting? Like, well, will be, I, you know, Q and A, or can people kind of just chit chat, or you know, this is this is, like? yeah, this is going to be something that's new for all of us, and something of that. Course. I'm trying uh, my best to put myself out there and be accessible uh, to these business owners. And I would say that with this podcast, which I think is great for the marketing of this town hall, that uh, they can and we should create some way of them submitting questions or suggestions, comments to us prior. And if they're on the call, then we could uh, address those owners that have submitted some sort of a question up front. I think that'd be a good way to stay organized. And uh, I know from some Zoom meetings that I have had and some uh, comical uh, videos of, of calls that you'd see that they, they can be chaotic and they can, they can be challenging to, to, to keep everybody uh, organized as to when they can speak. So I think we, we should we should do that ahead of time. Yes, of course. And I think this will be a great program for everyone who wants to participate. And, you know, I'm excited to see if people do submit some questions. I'm just kind of brainstorming now how that might work. I mean, I, I definitely am going to be putting this event on Facebook so people can, you know, probably write in the Facebook event page questions or, you know, they could email myself and I can make sure that those get relayed to you. My email is page, P-A-I-G-E at fountainhillschamber.com. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that we can get some good questions from everyone and there is a, a chat feature on zoom that people could use maybe to submit questions as as they come at the the virtual event so i think we have some good options for everyone excellent
All right. So for those who are listening, if you would like more information, including the link and admission info for the Zoom meeting, please check out that Facebook event page that we have on the Fountain Hills Chamber of Commerce Facebook page. We will also share that into the Fountain Hills Connection um, so you can get that link there. But before we wrap up, Council Member Tolis, is there anything else that you would like to add in case we missed anything? I just really uh, feel for the businesses that have been struggling over the last month and a half. And I just want to express my desire to be there and accessible and available to them and uh, do all I can to communicate their needs to our town manager, to our mayor, to the rest of the town council. And if there there are uh, things that we can do as a town, uh, I'm sure that the rest of the council uh, would would want to to help in any way we can. We need we need our businesses to to survive and thrive locally, and uh, I I know there's no better partner than the Fountain Hills Chamber of Commerce, and you uh, you have all been doing such a great job to do all you can with this situation. So I'm just happy that we're able to do this town hall, and I'm hoping it's successful, and I hope we get some valuable valuable information and suggestions out of it from the local businesses to help them. Of course, yes. And we are, we're very thankful for this um, collaboration with um, you and um, other business community members who are going to hop on the Zoom and just want to do everything we can to support them. But once again, thank you, Council Member Tolis, for chatting with me about this virtual town hall meeting. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Likewise. Have a great day. You too. That is going to wrap up episode 23 of FountainCast, the original podcast series from the Fountain Hills Chamber of Commerce. Thank you once again to Dr. Izume and Council Member Tolis for joining me on today's episode. As for everyone listening, I hope that you are staying busy, active, healthy, and doing whatever it is that is getting you through these times. Stay healthy, have a great weekend, and as always, I'm your host, Paige Lawrenson, and until next time.